Hi, you're listening to the preaching and teaching ministry of Second Baptist Church. These resources are not designed to take the place of a local church, but we hope they will encourage you on your journey with Christ. For more information about how you can connect with the Second Family, visit mysecond.family. This sermon was delivered live at our West Conway campus. Thanks for listening. If you have your Bible, turn to 1 Kings chapter 12. 1 Kings chapter 12. For those of you who do not know, uh, a couple of weeks ago, uh, some of us were in California, in Anaheim, California, which sounds super glamorous. And I'm just not a fan of, uh, of uh, the beach, I guess. Uh, I, I told somebody this morning that I'm not a fan of the edges of our country. I'm, I like the middle. And so I like to be here in the middle. And so we were over there in glamorous uh, Anaheim, California, and we were doing uh, what's called the Southern Baptist Convention, and we were working through some issues there and doing those sort of things. And while we were there, I passed a place, or on the road, not far from where we stayed, was a place called Roscoe's Chicken and Waffles, all right? And, and they were famous, Roscoe's Ch- Chicken and Waffles. That's what the sign said. And there were all these people that said it was really good, all right? And uh, I, I mean, on Twitter, my friends were like, oh, you got to go to Roscoe's, you know? And then, and then you would see some people and say, yeah, had you had any good food? Where should we get? And people were like, you got to go to Roscoe's. And so at this one point, we decide, we're going to go to Roscoe's. And uh, we go over there, I think it was breakfast, and, uh, which is good because there's waffles, right? Chicken and waffles. And I just got to say, I, I don't want to be a Debbie Downer on anything here, but it was not good. I don't know what it's famous for, but it was just not that great. And everything in California is so expensive. And so um, I already, you know, when you're paying more for something, you're like, it better be like extra good. And it was not. Uh, like the waffle was big, which that sounds good, except for it was thin. It was a thin waffle like a pancake thin, which is so disappointing. Who does that? Why do that, you know? And so there was this very thin, and then the chicken strips on my chicken and waffles were huge. I don't know what sort of like Jurassic Park chicken they found these chicken strips from, but they were so big and overcooked and a lot of batter. And so I ended up just like putting, there were three, I put two of them to the side, I took one. And um, I made the best of it. You know, I'm not going to be mean to anybody or anything like that. I just made the best and I paid for it. So I'm eating that whole thing, you know, that sort of thing. Um, But I determined, you know what I figured out? This is the problem. This is what was wrong. Chicken and waffles is a Southern food, right? And Anaheim is not the South, all right? Bless their hearts. They tried their best, but that was just, they did a good, they made a stab at it. They put chicken and waffles on the plate. It just wasn't good. And I just found myself in a situation that we've all been in before. You get advice, but it's bad advice. Has that ever happened to you? You've been advised in a certain way, and it turns out that it is bad advice. We've all been there. I'm the sort of person, raise your hand if you're this way. You find out it's bad advice after you take it. Does anybody that way, you that way? Or you found out that it was good advice after you refused to take it. I find myself in those circumstances quite a bit. I asked Facebook for what is the worst advice that you've ever received? Here's a couple of options here. Don't ask permission. Beg for forgiveness. That's not a good idea. Don't do that. Don't ever pray for patience. Have you ever, anybody ever heard somebody say, I've heard preachers say that. That's horrible advice. It's a fruit of the Spirit. You should pray for the fruit of the Spirit. You can drive fast so long as you don't get caught. Not in Menifee. You will get caught. <laughs> Don't think, just do, all right? That is horrible. That's so dumb. Don't do that. Think about it. Stop signs with white borders around the edges are optional. Um, That's not true, y'all. 
It's not true. Although this morning, listen to this. This morning at the 8 o'clock service, I asked the, the, the church, I said, well, how many of you think that the stop signs like in the Coles parking lot are not real stop signs? And a police officer raised his hand. <laughs> Settle. I don't care what Jackie says. I am never stopping at that stop sign again. Unless one of y'all are crossing. I get, I get the point. Um, if you have just one piece, it will cure the craving. That is ridiculous. Who's had one potato chip before? If you, you have superhuman. Follow your heart. Absolutely ridiculous. And this one was text to me because he didn't want to post it online. He said, if you get caught lying, just keep lying. Then he put a side note. That was his uncle who said that, and his uncle's on his third marriage. All right. I don't know if those are related, but uh, all of that was bad advice. And these are funny things you talk about, and they're funny. It's encouraging to me. This whole time, I thought that y'all were the way you are because I'm a bad pastor. Turns out, I'm doing fine. You guys just have about a lot of bad advisors in your life. And so I feel good about that. In this episode of First Kings, in this story, uh, the king gets advised. And that's what happens to kings. They get good advice, they get bad advice, and he follows the wrong advice. And so for this morning, what we would do is if we just slow down a little bit here and look at the story, we're going to walk away with two things. The first one is some good advice. The king was given some good advice, and so we can listen to that and apply it to our lives. It's very narrow, very applicable, and we can all do it. And I'm confident that when I read to you the good advice, you'll all be like, that's good advice. I should do that. The other thing we can do is zoom out just a little bit. We can pull back just a little bit and just look at the idea of counsel or advice. And what I'm going to hopefully do to you, to you this morning is to give you advice about advice. All right, that's what we're going to do. Two things applicable and advice about advice. But let's pray uh, quickly before we open up the word of God. God, thank you. Thank you again for your words. Thank you for the opportunity to learn, to encourage one another, and to strengthen our faith walk. God, I pray for each person here, whether they've been here a million times or this is their very first time, I pray that their hearts are encouraged and that they are strengthened to live their lives more and more like you. For those who have not yet put their faith and their trust in you, I pray that today would be that day. It's in Jesus' name that we pray together. Amen. All right, 1 Kings chapter 12, verse 6 through 19, that's the story. Instead of reading it to you, I'll just tell you what it says. Solomon was the king. His dad was David, and then he became king. Solomon dies, and his son Rehoboam becomes king. Rehoboam's an okay king, I guess, but it's, his, it's during his reign that what we call the kingdom split. So the kingdoms are about to split here, and it really happens because of this story. So Rehoboam is king, and as they are making him king, you know, the crowning ceremony, that sort of stuff, another guy by the name of Jeroboam shows up, all right? Rehoboam, Jeroboam. And Jeroboam used to be a friend of Solomon, Rehoboam's dad, until Solomon tried to kill him, and that really messes up friendships. And so Jeroboam and Solomon are not friends anymore, and he shows up with all these leaders of Israel, and they say, hey, your dad was kind of harsh, he did all these building projects. There was a bunch of taxes. He worked us to death. How about you, new king, ease up just a little bit? How about you just relax just a little bit? And if you do, we will be your, royal, your loyal servants for the rest of our lives. And so Rehoboam's the new king. He goes and asks what they call elders, advisors. And those guys say, yeah, that's a pretty good idea. You ought to ease up on them and uh, this will go pretty well. 
Then he goes and asks what he says, uh, or what the Bible says, is um, some friends of him, his, some young people that he grew up with, right? And that are now on the payroll. These are like his fraternity brothers that are now working for him, right? And so they ask these guys, say, should we do this? And they're like, no way, don't do that. If they thought Solomon was bad, they're gonna really think that you are bad. If they thought that Solomon's burden was heavy, they haven't seen anything yet. And that's what he ends up doing. He follows the advice of his buddies. And what happens next is a giant split in the kingdom. 10 of the 12 tribes, there were 12 groupings of Israelis, and 10 of them go to the north and they make Jeroboam their king. Two stay in the south and they stay under Rehoboam's leadership. And then there's fighting and war and bloodshed and all kinds of bad things. It's not very good at all. And all of that happens because of politics, but all of it is rooted in this idea. The king did not listen to good advice. So in an effort to hear that, to listen to that good advice, let's look at the advice this morning. So this is verse seven. It is the only verse that I'm going to put on the board today. And so this would be the one that you underline or memorize, something like that. They, that's the advisors, the elders. They replied, today, if you will be a servant to this people and serve them, and if you respond to them by speaking kind words to them, they will be your servants forever. Two pieces of advice. Serve them and speak kindly to them. Serve the people and speak kind to the people. This is the advice that Rehoboam got from the elders. And I'm, I'm sure there were all sorts of thoughts that were going through his mind. Like, first of all, serving the people, right? It seems like really great advice to us. And obviously that would be the thing, but I'm sure that he could think, you know what? He's the king. He doesn't serve other people. People serve him. That's the way, that's the way that it is supposed to go. Except for that's not the way that it's supposed to go. In the Bible, it's actually the opposite. <clears throat> it's actually the opposite. In the Bible, it is the king who serves the people. He's the one who is supposed to help other people. That's the way that God set it up. In chapter three, when Solomon prays, he actually refers to himself three times as a servant, a servant of God. It's supposed to be the one who serves the other people. This is the way that it's supposed to happen. It is a bad deal when public servants start thinking that the public is their servants. And that's what happened here with Rehoboam. In fact, Jesus in Mark chapter 10 says, for even the son of man, he refers to himself, came to um, not to be served, but to serve and give himself a ransom for others. The Bible's idea of authority or strength is that you are given authority or strength in order to help those who are not in authority and those who are weaker. That is a basic concept within the Bible, that you are given strength and wealth, and beauty, and influence, and platform in order to help those who do not have those things. It's something that we just really feel is alien, something that we really have a hard time applying to our lives. How many of you have ever seen the reverse of this? You know, one of your coworkers gets a promotion and all of a sudden they start walking around like they're better than everybody. You know, for the last three years, they were clocking in and clocking out just like you, and now they're the assistant to the regional manager or something like that, and they start telling you what to do, you know, that sort of thing. Service, authority, is given to us to serve other people. There's also this whole idea, I'm sure, that Rehoboam would have thought that they were being a little ungrateful, right? 
There's all this chapter, like chapter four and part of chapter five, that talks about how the people were happy with Solomon's reign. They liked the things that Solomon built. They liked the infrastructure. They liked the way that Solomon ruled. And now Solomon's dead and they're going to complain about these things? There's this disdain. You can feel it in Rehoboam's words. When he goes to the elders, he says, um, what should we do with this people? Should we listen to this people? Not my people, not our people, but this ungrateful people. There's this disdain. He is lifting himself higher. He's not going to serve. But like I said, service is a strength in God's economy. Galatians 5.13 says that you have been freed in Christ from the worldly standard and the passions to what? To serve one another in love. Listen, it's so freeing. The way that we act is that we use other people. We take advantage of other people to promote ourselves, to lift ourselves up. But in Jesus, we no longer have to do that. That just leads to hardships and heartache and pain. But in Jesus, we have the opportunity to just serve other people and to be freed from that burden of hurting other people and the guilt that accompanies it with us. When I was in quarantine, I uh, watched a Netflix documentary on The Price is Right. Sounds interesting, right? Uh, I was bored. And um, this dude who had this, this unique mind is the only way that I can say it. Um, he had a unique mind. He noticed very early on that on The Price is Right, they would not swap out the items, okay? So every three or four episodes, it was the same items for the same price. And so if you know how to play The Price is Right, you're guessing the price of the items. So if you know the items and their prices, then you will win the show. So he made himself a spreadsheet and starts quizzing himself on the price of The Price is Right items. He lived in San Francisco. He went down to LA to the filming of The Price is Right several times, like, um, like 28 times or something like that. He would go to this show. And while he was at the show, if he didn't get selected, he got selected twice. But if he didn't get selected to come on down, you know, he would yell out the answers to the other people and he would help other people win. In fact, one time he helped this young guy win two cars, two cars. You can see on the episode where the guy's up there and he's playing the game or whatever and he would look over in the audience and this guy's out there yelling the price to the exact number, you know, that sort of stuff. And, and so he won two cars. The dad of the uh, memorizer told him one time, he says, that, that guy should have given you something. You helped him win two cars. He should have given you something. And his response was, no, I don't, I don't want to pay the taxes on that stuff. And I really like helping other people. He said, in fact, this, he says, it is fun to celebrate when other people win. It is fun to celebrate when other people win. And that's just something that we don't, we don't, uh, we don't have in our culture anymore. We don't celebrate when other people win, right? Like you want to try it? Like the College World Series baseball. Are y'all celebrating um, the other team? No? Too soon? Y'all don't want to talk about it? Y'all want to talk about that the Razorbacks are watching it from the same place the Longhorns are watching it? Y'all don't, don't want to talk about that? No? Okay. Just online? Okay. So anyways, there, we don't celebrate other people's wins, but it's a good example. It's a good illustration of the way that we should use our position to help other people. Not only should we serve other people, but we should also speak kindly. So if you will just speak kind words. We don't do this. 
You know how I'm reminded of this? I have three sons and I'm constantly telling them, you guys are so rude to each other. You're just so rude. If you have more than one child, you know this, that they just can't seem to speak kindly to one another. We only care about the way that we think and what we believe, and it comes out in the way that we speak. Rehoboam should have just spoke kindly. Think about how different it would have been. There's an option here where Rehoboam gets everybody back together and says, you know what? We got to finish the projects. We can't just leave these things in disrepair. There's all kinds of infrastructure stuff we got to get done. But listen, here's how we're going to work it out. Here's how. He could have said nice things and still gone with the way that he, but he doesn't. It says that he, kept, he got them back together and he said in verse 13, he spoke harshly to them. He was mean to them. I don't understand why we can't just be kind. Proverbs says that kind words are like honeycomb. They're sweet. And that a kind word will turn away anger from another person. In 15 verse 1, nearly every New Testament letter, almost every New Testament letter tells us to be kind to each other. Just be kind. Just say nice things. It sounds so kindergarten, but it's something that the Bible had to remind us of repeatedly. Be nice to each other. It says that God is kind and that love is kind. Just the other night at the dinner table, Jackie and I are sitting there. The, uh, the boys had already eaten, and so they were off doing something, like being rude to each other or something. And uh, Jackie and I are sitting there, and, and at one point she looks over at me, and she says this. This is what she says. She says, if I kindly point out that you eat my food, and you drink my drink, and you eat my cheese tots, will you recognize that you do that? That's what she says to me. Listen to me. We weren't having cheese tots. We didn't have cheese tots for days. This is something that had been bothering her for a while. She had this thing loaded up and she's like, if I speak kindly to you, right? And I looked at her and I said, you don't want me to eat those things like that? And that really upset her. Apparently she doesn't want me to eat her food. A little while later, I was jabbing at her and I said, uh, hey, remember earlier when you said, if I speak kindly to you? And she said, yeah, I said, I don't feel like you were being kind in that situation. And she says, that was my nice face, all right? Um, so around the house, I've been doing, uh, I'll be like, hey, if I point out kindly that you're turning down the volume on the television, will you stop doing that? It's like, it's not going real well for either of us right now, but we are being kind to one another. We're saying it kindly. <laughs> this is apparently how you say things kindly. If I something kindly. She's not in this service. She'll be in the next one. Um, so anyways, we need to be kind to one another. Christians ought to be distinct in the way that we uh, are, that we're just kind, that we speak kind words to one another. Think about this as well. He is the king. How amazing would it have been, encouraging would it have been for the person who we're supposed to serve to serve us? For the one who speaks and it happens to speak kind words. Listen, that same impact you can have in your life as the supervisor, as the boss, as the husband, as the dad, as the mom, as just a stranger, your words have immense power. So use those, be kind. So this is obviously good advice. I mean, we all read back in this, we go, why don't you follow that? That is what you should have done, but he doesn't. So we will today. We will speak kind and we will serve others. But for a second, let's just zoom back and think about advice in general. Like for instance, why don't we follow good advice? Let's just start there. 
we all know things that we are supposed to do or supposed to not to do, right? Like, like you're supposed to be like active for 20 minutes or something a day. I, I don't, it's more than what I'm doing, all right? Whatever the amount is, it's more, right? But we don't do that. We'll go whole weeks without being active for 20 minutes. We know we're not supposed to eat all of whatever, you know, and we should eat more of whatever, you know, but we, we don't. We know all of these things that we are supposed to do and we are supposed to not do, but we don't follow good advice. Why? I would, I would suggest that generally speaking, the reason we don't follow good advice is because of ego. We tend to lean towards the self-serving option. So it's not fun to sweat or to be active, and so we don't do that, right? We want to eat all of these, and so we do that. So in general, just thinking about advice, one of the advice about advices that I have for you is that if it is a self-serving choice, then it may not be the best choice. If the only person that benefits is you from your decision, there is probably another way or a better way. That's the first thing that I would say. The second thing is to get good advisors. Rehoboam doesn't listen to them, but at least he had them. They call them the elders. Now the elders generally in our mind just means older, but that's not the direct understanding. They were generally old, but not necessarily. There were two implications for a person to be an elder in ancient Israel. They were experienced, which typically comes with age, and they were respected. That they had some sort of leadership ability that he would have asked them because they have led people. And so he's like, I have this leadership decision, and so I need to ask you people who are leaders and that you are respected in your field. Listen, this is the way that we should carry on our business. Like what if you had a tax problem and your buddy says, you know, I was at the come and go and the guy who sold me gas says that you need to fill out the 1040 form, you know, like that. You wouldn't go, man, that sounds genius. I need to fill out the 1040 form. You're not gonna listen to um, your friend who asks some stranger. That's not experience. That's not respect in the field, right? But we do this in all sorts of areas. Like you have a tax problem, you ask a tax expert. One that's not only experienced, but respected. You do the same thing with medicine. You do the same thing with law. Those are generally the way that we should do this. We should do this in all areas of our lives. I am most puzzled when it comes to two aspects of life um, as a pastor. One of them is marriage, marriage advice. Marriage is hard, all right? It's sanctifying, right? Because they're not always speaking kindly to you, you know? That sort of thing. And so sometimes it really wears on you. And you need advice, right? And instead of going to somebody who's like respected and experienced in good marriages, you go ask like your four buddies that you grew up with. Two of them are divorced and one of them is almost divorced. The other one isn't married yet. And y'all sit around and y'all are gonna figure this out, right? That's a bad idea, all right? Or when it comes to parenting, parenting is super hard. Making humans and then growing them up to adulthood is really, really hard. But I am amazed at how many people go to TikTok to ask some, uh, some girl that has an 18-month-old how to raise a teenager, you know? That's not a good approach. We need to surround ourselves with advisors who have experience and are respected. It's amazing. It really is amazing by God's design that he created the church. When you become a part of a church, especially like a church like this, you are instantly in a group of people who have experience and some of them are respected. 
You can ask them questions. You can be a part of it. By its design, you are put in this group of people who there are other people with various degrees of experience and respect. That's God's design. That's what God wanted us to do. That this elder thing, ask the elders, wouldn't just stop in ancient Israel, but it would carry on all the way to today. So that you don't just go ask your buddies, but you go ask some people in our church that, there was somebody this morning that was telling me that they celebrated this last year, or this last weekend, their 60th wedding anniversary. Same lady, same dude for 60 years. That's the person that you ask, right? Not the people with, that are like, if you get caught lying, keep lying. That's not who you ask. You go ask those people. And they have all kinds of great advice. And so we need to understand if it's self-serving, it may not be the best option. Get yourself some advisors. They're all over the place. Literally, you're in the room with them. Get some of these and ask them in different aspects of life. And then the third thing that I would say is to know the difference between advice and affirmation. Know the difference between advice and affirmation. Affirmation is like, uh, it's encouraging. It's true. And everybody needs adv- affirmation. In fact, I'll give you some right now. Let's just, let's just pause for a second. Listen, you are doing a great job. You did some stuff this week that you nailed it. Your spouse was not at all impressed, but I am. You did a great job at it. It looks awesome. Most of you are pretty likable, all right? And that's good. That's good for you. You got up this morning, you got ready, and you went to church, all right? I know that's a basic requirement. You're not getting a star in heaven for it or anything like that, but you did good, all right? I want to applaud you on that, and I mean every word that I just said. I like a lot of you a lot, all right? I mean that. Affirmation. Those are good things, but that's not advice. Advice means that somebody will tell you, here's where you're not great, but here's how you could be better, all right? We all need affirmation, but we also need advice. We sometimes get caught in this rut where we call the one person who just always is on our side. We'll call the one person who just always tells us that we're doing fine. Like you get in a little marriage spat and you call your mama and she's just completely on your side of the situation. That's not good advice. That's affirmation. That's great, but that's not helpful, all right? You need some other people that say, you're doing good in this area. And yeah, I give you credit for that. You know, your spouse isn't, but I'll give you credit for that. But here's where they're right and you're wrong. That's advice. Here's my advice on that. Call you one affirming person and two advising people. Feel great about yourself. That's awesome. You should feel great about yourself. But then have some people who will speak into your life. Very quickly, If it's self-serving, it may not be right. Find yourself some good advisors and know the difference between affirmation and advice. It says in verse eight that he ignored the advice of the elders and went and asked those who attend to him, meaning it was their job to tell him what he wanted to hear. He did what the rest of us do. He just asked people until he found somebody that told him what he already wanted to hear. Don't do that. As Christians, we believe that that God walks alongside of us. If you are not a Christian yet, then hear this. We as Christians believe that God himself indwells us, meaning the Holy Spirit. And the Holy Spirit is called this, um, the Greek word for it is paraclete. It means to come alongside and advise us. In John chapter 14, verse 26, Jesus said that he will teach you all things that you need. 
It doesn't mean that once you become a Christian, you're like instantly great at chemistry or, you know, whatever, or law or something like that. But it does teach us how to walk with God. It teaches us how, how to be good in our relationships. And James says that if you are a believer, that if you lack wisdom, if you need understanding, then ask him and he will give it to you freely, liberally, a ton of it. That's what he will do. It's one of the, the blessings of walking alongside of Jesus. And so if you are not yet walking alongside of Jesus, for that at least, I would encourage you to admit that you are broken, believe that Jesus is our Savior, and to trust him. So here's my advice on advice. One statement for you to take home, one thing for you to do. Get some good advisors and listen to them. Get some good advisors and listen to them. Obviously this week, you know, you're going to serve other people and speak kindly, but that doesn't apply to everything. Get some good advisors and listen to them. Let that dominate your life. It's not complicated, but good advice isn't complicated. A Chicago paper once published a series of articles following World War II about Henry Ford. Their thesis or their understanding was that Henry Ford was a quote-unquote ignorant pacifist. That's what they were mad at him about. Henry Ford has a lot of money, right? And he decides to launch a lawsuit against the Chicago paper um, for libel. And his approach, which is a little bit sketchy, but his approach was he was going to put himself on the stand to prove that he is not ignorant, all right? That's a tall order. It's hard to do just in general. It's really hard to do in a legal capacity. How many of you think you could prove that you are not ignorant if somebody was trying to prove that you are ignorant, all right? It's tough if you think about it. So they put him on the stand, or he was on the stand, and they started asking him all sorts of questions. Here's two of the questions that they asked him. If you can answer these questions, apparently you are not ignorant. The first question was, who was Benedict Arnold? Half of you are like, I'm not ignorant. The other half are, it's over. The other question was, how many soldiers did the British send over to America to put down the rebellion in 1776? Right? How many? That's, a, that's an ignorant question, right? He got frustrated with it and he apparently yelled back. He replied back to them, I do not know the exact number of soldiers the British sent over, but I have heard that it was considerably larger than the number that ever went back. So I feel like that's a great answer. I feel like you passed. As the questions became more and more outrageous, Henry Ford pointed his finger at the lawyer and this is what he said. If I should really want to answer the foolish question you have just asked or any of the other questions you have been asking me, let me remind you that I have a row of electric buttons on my desk and by pushing the right button, I can summon to my aid men who can answer any question I desire to ask concerning the business to which I am devoting most of my efforts. Now, will you kindly tell me, will you kindly tell me why I should clutter up my mind with general knowledge for the purpose of being able to answer questions when I have men around me who can supply any knowledge that I require. Here's the point. You don't have to know the answers. You just have to know people who do know the answers, right? That's my advice on advice. Thank you for listening to the preaching and teaching ministry of Second Baptist. We hope that we will see you in person this next Sunday. To find more information about service times, location, and ministry offerings, visit mysecond.family. Thank you for listening.